There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. I didn't miss nothing. What up, what up? Oh, man. I finally got that. Yeah. Part just on time. <laughs> I messed that part up, up every time. What's going on? Not much, dude. Dance dance practice tonight. Woo-wee. The joys oh, yeah. of fatherhood. Uh, I don't have any insight. There's, a, there's no punchline coming. There's no joke. That's just it. That's just life. Ugh. What kind of dancing is she doing? Tap class, ballet, hip hop. Uh, She's well rounded. Young girl. I need football season to come back soon, man. I need football to come back soon. (laughs) Hey, it'll be here before you know it. Like I know. (laughs) You got you got that long hold off of late June through July. That's a bitch for all of us. But (laughs) after that, it'll be here. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. We could use a little bit of news to get us pushed along, man. It's been a well, we have interesting a start to free agency. I know it's been uh been quiet for the Rams so far. So they, I don't mind it though. Like it, it, I think that's a good thing. I think they're they're comfortable with what they have. Uh, I think the Rams just need depth. You know, little pieces here and there to to kind of back up this guy or give this guy a breather uh, just in case. Clear, <laughs> you know, uh, sure. Sully doesn't hold up for another season. John Sullivan, uh, just in case Whitworth age starts again, you know, having those just in case guys. Um, but they shouldn't really be in the market for, you know, necessarily a, a huge uh, addition considering the moves they made through trades. What are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we were so far the early days. We were an 11 win team, man. You know, we won the NFC West. And all we, you know, we lost Sammy Watkins and Trumaine Johnson. So to deal with Trumaine Johnson, we went ahead and traded for Akid Talib. We traded for Marcus Peters, signed Sam Shields. We should be good. Like the only thing we really lost is Sammy Watkins. And we got a whole, you know, free agent period prior to the draft and a draft to see if we want to bring somebody in. And, you know, if we don't, What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go from one of the top three offenses to a top eight? I think, uh, you know, I ain't that worried about it. So that's not the problem. On top of which, if you look at free agency, it's perilous, man. Until last year, free agency was something you wanted to avoid entirely, right? I mean, think about what what the, uh, most teams do in free agency. This isn't the place to build your team. It's the draft. This is where you patch a couple holes. Yeah, that, and I think that's, that's kind of the thing that uh, has gotten teams in trouble in the past, you know, is yep. trying to use free oh, yeah. agency to to be the the fixer all. You know, the let me let me go out and sign as many superstars as I can. You, what was it that the the Eagles had uh, that year and Vince Young? Non the like dream team, <laughs> you know, yep. it turned out to be the not so dreamy team. But uh, yeah. that I think that's that's what teams do. They they trick themselves into thinking that you can go in free agency, you can just sign your Super Bowl squad, and then you're going to go and win it all just as you planned. And that rarely ever happens. I mean, it's happened, yeah. but it, it, it's so much harder that way than to build that talent and to add those and costlier. key pieces. Oh, way more costly. <laughs> and, and, when you, and the crazy thing about it is when you do it that way, because it's so costly, is 
those guys that you didn't think were going to just the light was going to come on when that light comes on, you can't even keep them now, <laughs> you know, because you can't yep. afford them. So the yep. uh, free agency has so many uh, positives to it, but then, oh, those negatives, they come back and bite you in the ass like nothing else. I tell you yeah. that much. Um, so far for me, the, the the one move that I think the Rams made during the over the past week that I, I like the most that wasn't a trade was the re-signing of um, uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman. Uh, that sure. was, I thought that was that was a very very smart move. I was curious yep. if they were going to bring him back because there wasn't a really there wasn't a, a lot of stuff coming out of the Rams camp or his camp for that matter uh, as far as what his future held or, or if he'd be back in L.A. Um, I mean, he played really well. He graded out as a top 25 cornerback for PFF. Um, it, 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 you, you just kind of wondered what was going to happen. You know, you heard so much talk about Tremaine Johnson and Sammy Watkins and, 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 and John Sullivan and Connor Barwin, but you didn't hear anything about him. So he kind of was flying under the radar, and they did a good job getting him back in, and it, it was on a good deal, for uh, a team-friendly deal, and good deal for him. So I personally was pleased with that. What, what's, what's something that you like so far about the Rams? Yeah, I like that we kept NRC. I like uh, that we didn't go big for Sammy Watkins as big as, you know, the Chiefs were willing to go. There was no reason for the Rams to be really? that team to go that high for them. I know, I know you were big. But I also thought, look, that's the market, right? And if you want if you want to go in for whether it's Allen Robinson, a guy with an injury, or Sammy Watkins who doesn't have the production to match, at that position, you got to go. I mean, it's the same with quarterback. You gotta, I get it. Sam Bradford is not a perfect quarterback for 2018. But if you want him, you're going to have to pay $20 million. That's just what it costs to be players in this kind of a market. And uh, I think it was wise for the Rams to stay out, if only because, you know, they're not in position to need that much offense for that much money uh, as it stands. Same thing for Tremaine Johnson. Once they had made the trades, obviously, he had, he sent it back in training camp. So he knew that he wasn't going to get this deal from the Rams. Um, but he also knew that he deserved it and that the market was willing to come to him, and obviously it was. I, I thought there was a chance he could hit $80 million, but obviously with uh, what he got, I don't think he'll be that upset. So overall, it was good yeah. for the Rams to avoid being too costly. There's no reason for them to do it, especially until they get the Aaron Donald deal worked out. A um, couple of these other names are interesting. I think re-signing Dominique Easley was a good one-year deal that gives them some flexibility. Um, there's still plenty of free agency to come. They might get three, four more guys before we even get to the draft. I'd like to see them get at least one inside linebacker, if only because the market's so cheap. Uh, you can get a starting quarter, you know, quality inside linebacker for half of what they were paying Ogletree. Um, so I'd like to see them at least get Absolutely. one guy. If they if they still want to draft one, I got no problem doing that. But I'd like to at least get one in free agency. Kind of what we did with Connor Barwin, where we signed Connor Barwin as a free agent and then brought in Samson at Bukum. You know, one of those kind of deals. I think that that's probably the easiest way to deal with inside linebacker this year as things stand. Uh, but overall, I think it's pretty good. I think the, the the most interesting deal to me was the Tavon Austin deal. Not because the Rams offered it. I mean, the Rams, they were already on the hook for $5 million. What you going to do with $5 million? It's already stuck there. But then you convert $3 million to incentives. Okay, if he earns the incentives, then he obviously performs. If he doesn't, then it's the same as cutting him. What was strange about that was that Tavon Austin agreed to it. I still don't understand what he had to gain from accepting this deal. I mean, look at it this way. Tavon Austin is coming off a year where he didn't really see the ball at all. <laughs> you know, right? You, it, it's the difference between a down year where you just suck, you know, you just had a bad And one where you don't play. Yeah. The, but and then there's yeah. a then there's a then there's when you just don't get opportunities. Tavon Austin, right. this is the first time where he didn't really see the ball coming his way. He wasn't uh, a vital part of the offense. Like he was not integrated into the offense at all, really. After about week five, <laughs> you know. It was, it, it, look at the playoff. Game. He had two snaps in the playoff game, man. Yeah, you know he was he was completely removed from the uh, from the entire offense. And I don't think it was anything that he did on his end or didn't do, for that matter. I think it was more so early in the season. You're a new coach. You're still figuring out what you want to do, who you want to do it with, what's what's best for your team. And I think Tavon Austin was getting a little bit of love then. This guy was getting a little bit of love because, you know, early in the season, we saw saw the ball go to Tyler Higby more. In the later parts of the season, we didn't see the ball going to Tyler Higby that much, you know, so – when he figured out what he wanted to do with, with his offense and 
how he wanted to do it and what was going to be best and where they're going to have the most success. That's what he stuck with. And that turned out to be, uh, excuse me, I'll tell you about Austin, but Todd Gurley, it turned out to be uh, Robert Woods, and it turned out to be uh, Cooper Cup. That was it. That was the entire offense after week six or seven. There was no one else that they were really looking to get the ball to. They started feeding those guys left and right. And that, I think, pushed Tavon Austin out of the window. So when you add in the fact that he was pretty much the second string running back and the fifth string receiver, you're not going to get a lot of touches. And so when you're not getting a lot of touches, that kind of makes your your market murky because if you have a down year, you know, guys can say, oh, he's going to have a bounce back. You know, but if you have a uh, if you have an injury riddle year, you know, guys say, "Oh, is he healthy now?" You know, there's always that is is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? When you just simply don't get an opportunity, it's like, "Well, wait a minute, why don't you get?" Because usually the only people that don't get opportunity are people that aren't good enough. So I would think that he accepted it because his market theoretically was just absolutely crushed <laughs> by the Maybe. fact that uh, by the fact that he wasn't getting any playing time. And if you're not getting any playing time and you hit the market and you, you, you're saying to yourself, oh, well, I could stick around. If Sean McVay – I think Sean McVay had a huge role in Tavon Austin coming back, but if he's saying I could stick around if Sean McVay is saying, hey, I still think I can use you, especially with Sammy Watkins out of the way, we could use your speed because that's all Sammy Watkins is doing anyway, right? So if you, if you need a field stretcher – and there was a few occasions last year where we saw him use Tavon Austin like that, where he just took off and went straight up the field. I can remember one play where I think it was against the Seahawks where he just broke up the middle and he just drew all this attention. And it actually allowed for Sammy Watkins, ironically, <laughs> to make this catch underneath where he just drew all this attention. You know, so uh, it, to me, it made sense why Tavon Austin would agree to this deal. Like it, 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 it helps him in the long run because if he does perform at least halfway decent. If you can see something close to Tavon Austin from 2015, then you're probably you're probably going to build a better market for yourself. You might get back to earning nine or ten million dollars a year as opposed to earning three million dollars a year. If if I were betting, I would have bet on probably 20 teams before the Rams that could have helped Tavon Austin get that kind of production. In 2018, it, it, part of it is because they proved that they moved on from him, and it, it, it was it, to me it was just a win-win for Tavon Austin to go somewhere else to go somewhere. I'll give you a perfect example: the Raiders. And now I think everybody universally hates their off season, but the Raiders are going to be a team where if you need to see the field and you're a player like Tavon Austin, you could get snaps there. You can get a lot of activity in Oakland this year, if only because the other guys that are there yeah. right now. They they don't really deserve a ton of it, right? That roster is starting yeah. to look pretty crappy. There's a ton of other teams where I'd look at them before the Rams and say, yeah, this is a place where Tavon can get some numbers done and come back to the market in a year and maybe try to make something of his NFL career. I just, it's one of those ones that really confused me overall, mainly not from the Rams side, but just from Tavon's side on why he wanted to come back. Yep, and I, I would agree with that. There's definitely teams out there that could have used Tavon that could really um, – take him, incorporate him into their system and really use him, even if not a, even if he's not a focal point, could be a great second or third option from different sure. aspects of the field, doing things that he's always done. One thing I really yep. am tired of is uh, not seeing, because I don't think, I think too much falls on the player sometimes, and this is in no way me, me trying to bail out Tavon Austin's NFL career to this point, but I think too much falls on the player sometimes to the point that you look at things like his yards per catch average for his career. It's like 8.7 or something like that or whatever it is. I think that people say, oh, look at what he's done. Well, I say, well, look at what they've given him. (laughs) You know, like if all you're running is two yard outs, (laughs) you're not going to have a lot of – and and I I, I see so many double standards in the NFL. You know, for example, you you look at Lamar Jackson, for example. You want to talk about a double standard. Oh, look at his completion percentage. He he should be a wide receiver. Look at Josh Allen's completion percentage, which is lower than his. Oh, he should go number one overall. <laughs> you know, like there's so many double standards in the NFL. And I look at somebody like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has a eerily similar yards per catch average as Tavon Austin. The difference is he's thrown the ball about 150 times a season. And so he has a lot more receptions. But his yards and touchdowns, like Tavon Austin – 
his first four years compared to to uh, Jarvis Landry's first four years. The touchdown difference is not even close. Tavon Austin has definitely seen the end zone more in his first four years. But the difference is Jarvis Landry has caught more balls because they just feed him, feed him, feed him. So when I look at Tavon Austin's situation, um, I say, yes, there's, there's, I think there was high expectations. I think they were too high. Personally, I never thought he was going to be this, this, this next Calvin Johnson go-to receiver that I think a lot of people expected. I was excited about the draft pick because, to me, I mean, to be perfectly honest, if you go back and you look at Tavon Austin at West Virginia – He's the same player. He's all the yeah. same things. He was never a 14-yard-per-catch guy in West Virginia. He never had 15 touchdowns in season after season after season. The guy who did that was Stedman Bailey. Everything right. that Tavon Austin has done in the NFL, he, has, he did in college. He's everything that the Rams thought he would be. The difference is he doesn't have the value of what he had in college like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry has that value. So the point of me saying all that is that when I look at where he is now, I feel like it's, it's it's probably a little unfair to just completely throw him under the bus, I think, so, the way so many people have. So if you were to put him in an offense, like you said, like the Cardinals, for example, I think he would absolutely kill it in the Cardinals offense. Or if you gave him a coach like Andy Reid, who loves those type of players, like Andy Reid has always loved gadget guys. Those, I think you put him in those situations, I think he excels. So, I wish him the best. Hopefully, Sean McVay knows what he's doing, um, and that's not a knock at Sean McVay because I think he's proven to be a pretty good offensive mind, but I don't have a doubt in my mind that Sean McVay is, has played a large role in this restructure working out the way it did. I don't think it was just let me say, hey, you know, let's get some talks going with that. I think Sean McVay was like, I still can use this guy, and let, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but I, 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 I think that it would have helped him to go somewhere else, but at the same time, I understand why he stayed. So we'll see. One interesting thing so far in free agency for the Rams, and this is something new, uh, is Ndamukong Sue. What? <laughs> like this is mm-hmm. this is interesting because when he was when he was rumored before he even was cut, when rumor came out he was going to get cut, my first thought was, I think every Rams fan out there, anybody that liked Aaron Donald, had to have had this thought when they heard this. Ndamukong Sue expected to be released. Every person that loves Aaron Donald, first thought was, man, wouldn't it be crazy if Aaron Donald was next to Sue? <laughs> like, if that wasn't your thought, I don't know what you what's wrong with you. Like, stay off the weed. <laughs> but but uh, it, it, it was definitely my first thought. But there's no way in hell I, did, I think it even get to this point. But now he's meeting with the Rams. Like, what would it mean to sign Ndamukong Sue? Uh, the, the the thing the one thing that I think is clear here is that the Rams aren't going to be able to pay him what other teams would be able to, and so if he if they somehow make a deal out of this, it's because he wants to win now, right? And that he's willing to sacrifice some money and take a pay cut in order to win. We've seen guys do it, but usually they'd stay with their own team to do it, like the Tom Brady Peyton Manning style, right? Where they stay with their own team and restructure their deal to stick with that team. You don't see guys going to another team in free agency and leave money on the market to go to a new team uh, to win. So I, I, I kind of think more than anything, if they, if they can keep him in LA, it's more of a statement signing uh, than anything. The one thing I worry is they're putting a lot of chips in this basket, man. And it's almost like, um, it's almost when you got like too many wide receivers, kind of what we had last year, and the idea where Sammy Watkins couldn't get it. You know, Rams had one of the most productive offenses in the NFL. Robert Woods was eating. Cooper Cup was eating. Sammy Watkins wasn't getting top production. I do wonder if you put in Dominican Sue, it's not a bad thing. You're adding strength with strength, but I do wonder if that's too many eggs in one basket. Like at some point, you've got to let Aaron Donald breathe. You know what I mean? And give him space to work. I don't mean like physical space, but just the idea that. You know, if Sue's trying to get his and Donald's trying to get his and you got all this activity up front, how that's going to work with those guys as opposed to just spreading it out. Um, but I, that is kind of a first-world football problem and one that you'd probably rather deal with than perhaps not have it in Dominican Sue. What do you think about it? I mean, I don't really see the problem in it. I, I know what you're saying, but, like, I can see that on offense because there's only one football. 
You know, there's sure. there's only one football, so everybody can't get it. You know, everybody can't yeah. eat. Somebody's going to be left out. But on defense, defense is different. When you have a team full of guys, you know, you can just go through the years and look at all the great defenses. You can look at the Ravens. You can look at the Seahawks. You can look at the Ravens again. They were up there twice. You can look at the Bears. You know, you look at some of the best defenses to do it. When you have a lot of killers over there, it actually helps them eat because unlike offense where there's only one football to go around on defense, when you have this guy who's a terror, well, now teams are trying to focus on him, which frees up this next guy. You know, you you go back a couple years ago to when um, our D-line was absolutely beast mode and was killing it, and Robert Quinn is getting 19 sacks. Well, you look down the line and you see Chris Long with 10 or 11 sacks. And then you see right behind them, <laughs> you uh, William Hayes with like another eight sacks, and behind him you see Eugene Sims with another five or six sacks, and you see Brockers with five or six sacks. So what that did ultimately was because Robert Quinn was having such a great year with 19 sacks, it opened up the doors for everyone else. So now you're putting so much attention on him. Now other guys are eating. So when you have two guys where they're just beasts. Who do you block? Like, who do you double team? Yeah. Like, you can't, you cannot double team Sue and and Donald, and sure. then you win the game. You will, you will lose that game every time because if you're double teaming both of them, they're gonna blitz the hell out of you. They're gonna let those DNs eat. <laughs> like, it's impossible. Like, you can't, you can't win that way. That that's four guys out of eleven blocking two. That's a losing method. You know, you might be able to double team one guy, but you can't double team both. So. If, and, and we already seen that double teams doesn't work on Aaron Donald anyway. So, so if you're if you're focused on these two guys so much, what do you think that's gonna What do you think that's gonna do for uh, Michael Brockers? And if Michael Brockers start getting off, don't you think that's gonna get Aaron Donald going again and get Sue going again? So, I don't think that it's a bad thing. I don't think that there's um, a everybody can't eat mentality when you have that situation. I think it's everybody's gonna eat when you're talking about defense as opposed to offense. Um, for me, I think that signing the Dominican Sue after, you know, I have to put this in there for since the question is what does it mean? What would, what would it mean to sign the Dominican Sue? To sign the Dominican Sue after the trades that you've made with getting Marcus Peters and getting a key to leave and then re-signing Nikhil uh, uh, Roby Coleman and then you you you're bringing back Lamarcus Joyner. You know you're looking at that secondary, and then you're looking up front. You know the linebackers are uh, as important as the linebacker is because in most cases they're the quarterback of the defense. There's no question about the two most important parts of your defense are your D line and your secondary. There's no question about it. Uh, if you have that secondary that the Rams have right now, and you can add it in, in the Dominican Sue, I think that automatically puts the defense on the level that's where you have to say, okay, they are officially good enough to go out and not make it to the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl. Because you, you're, you're so talented up front, you can literally control the trenches. <laughs> you know, you can control the trenches. And then on the back end, in a passing lead, when, when your trench is getting controlled and you're having to throw the ball, that's a dangerous game you're playing. You just need your linebacker yep. to be average at that point. You don't need a superstar linebacker, you know. So I think the defense, that would that would be enough to put them over the top because you're taking so much attention away from Aaron Donald that you know is going to be there year in and year out by adding the, the Dominican too. So well, and to that, me, that's the other thing, the year in, year out factor. The only thing that I, I guess I'm uncomfortable with is if we go out and sign Dominican Sue to a big multi-year deal and Aaron Donald's deal still isn't done. It's one of those that, like, at some, right, at some point, we got to start getting worried, right? Like, sincerely worried. Remember, Aaron Donald held out last year, and they still yeah. didn't get it done. And for all the talk of the – you know, Les Snead says they have a timeline to get the deal done. I wrote, I don't know what the hell that means. Here's the timeline. In a year from now – He's going to be a free agent unless you sign him. That's your timeline. You got one year. That's the timeline. I don't give a damn about the timeline. It's one of those things where there's nothing wrong with signing a Dominican suit, but if you can bring him in on a multi-year deal, you've got to get this damn Aaron Donald deal done. You know, I alluded to this in a comment I made on the post on the site about the issue with, and this is actually my one fear of signing the Dominican suit. 
uh, the issue I have is the, the money. And everyone yes. said, oh, it can be done, it can be done. I, and I said in the comments, it can be done. I agree. Like I said in that comment, I said, this will be very hard to pull off, but it's not impossible. And the thing about it is, my fear is that I'm can sue becoming the replacement for Aaron Donald. Exactly. You know, I don't. I don't want exactly. the ball to be going to Les Need or anyone's head that hey, if we can't get Aaron Donald signed, then we'll we be okay. Have, exactly. This is this yeah. is our backup plan. Like we'll have him in yep. here in place if we can't. Not saying that we're not going to or we don't want to or anything like that, but I don't want that if to even come into their mind whatsoever exactly. because that's usually the beginning of the downfall. Um, the hardest part about this is you look at the Rams cap space right now, they have $33 million. And with $33 million, you're talking about $8 million off top is gone because of their draft class. You know, if you, if you, look, at the, you look at their picks, they need to have about $8.1 million put aside just to sign their draft class. And then let's just say they want to go sign a couple of undrafted free agents. Uh, let's just put away another 150000 200000 They don't have to go crazy with it. You know, so you get, you get these guys all signed, you know, uh, you get these guys all signed, and um, now you're stuck with, what, $24 million? So with 24, excuse me, with $24 million, uh, let's see. You got Aaron Donald and you got the Donald can sue. Uh, for Donald, you know you're going to have to break some bread. <laughs> you know, to have him play um, this year under his, uh, what is it, what is it, $8 million or 6.7, whatever it is, $7 million yeah. he's going to be playing for. You can have him play under that. You can, sign, you can sign him to a contract that begins after this year with a fast right. signing bonus this, that starts this year when it gets pro, that gets prorated throughout. That is a possibility. However, what are you going to pay Sue? No matter what that, no matter what your plan is, you're going to have to somehow, some way, get Sue to take a pay cut. Now, I will say this with Sue. He has said that the dollars is going to come. He's not worried about that. And the only teams he's talking to is playoff teams. You talk to the Saints, you talk to the Titans, you talk to the Rams. He's looking to win at this point in his career. Um, how much is he looking to win is the question, you know, and how much is how much is the Rams, the Titans, and the Saints willing to pay him? Because, yes, you can be looking to win, but you're still going to take the best offer because these are all playoff teams. It's not like yeah. it's not like none of them are playoff teams, so you have to look at, uh, oh, who, who you know, you, you're saying, oh, well, this team can pay me $25 million, but this playoff team can pay me $23 million. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the playoff team because it's only $2 million. You know, if you're looking at this situation and they're saying all three of them are playoff teams, and this it's a five hundred thousand dollar difference. Who knows? He might take that extra five hundred thousand to put in his pocket because they're all playoff teams. And the Saints, frankly, was the better playoff team of these three. They they went the furthest in the playoffs and they they looked the best and they got kicked out of the playoffs on a fluke play. So yeah, when you look at all things considered, I, it will take a uh, a bargain. It absolutely take a bargain from uh, on on two end on two end, but uh, it is possible. And if it if it did happen, I, I would hope that the, that it's happening because the Rams are looking at the the possibilities of the endless amounts of success that their defensive line can have, as opposed to we can get him signed and then hopefully we can get Aaron Donald signed. But if we can't, we got two. That's, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a recipe for failure as far as getting uh, Aaron Donald signed. In time, we shall see. <laughs> so uh, I, I know I mentioned that the Rams re-signed Bradley, Mikael uh, uh, Roby Coleman, and uh, we talked about Watkins and his crazy deal. But the Rams also did some things that I think kind of slipped under the radar a little bit, and that was the tendering of uh, Troy Hill and Matt Logan. I know sure. you. I know you're a fan of the way Troy Hill finished off. The Malcolm season. Brown too. Uh, Malcolm Brown too. Malcolm Brown too. Um, I know you're a fan of how Troy Hill finished off the season. Me, I was like, eh. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't crazy about it. I know he had like one or two good games, but I still don't trust the guy. I've seen too much bad tape to trust sure. him after one or two games. And besides, he really didn't do shit after that. So, you know, so we'll, we'll see. I would like to see more before I jump on that bandwagon. However, the Matt Longacre, I love that. I absolutely sure. love the, the, them tendering Matt Longacre. What was your thoughts on that? How are you feeling about that? Because they they need pass rushers right now off the edge. Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the good thing is that you know when when you're talking about tendering restricted or exclusive rights free agents, is that you're talking about a they're coming back cheap 
B, they're on a one-year deal. You get to reevaluate their performance a year from now. And C, you're generally talking about guys that aren't starters, that are depth. And in the case of Troy Hill, you know, for all his faults in his technique, he's not coming in as the starting cornerback. We got Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. Whenever Kayvon Webster comes back from his Achilles, you would assume that he's going to remain in front of Troy Hill on the depth chart. So you're talking about, you know, what, your fourth cornerback? And I think you can do. I think you can do worse than your fourth cornerback than Troy Hill, and I think that's, yeah. you know, a, a testament to the offseason that Les Snead had in bringing Peters and uh, to leave in the fact that you had a guy that was starting down the stretch and starting in a playoff game who's n- not really anywhere near a starting position coming into Week One. Uh, you know, somewhat same for Longacre, although Longacre was obviously a bit more involved early on in the season than Hill was uh, prior to the Webster injury. The, the thing I wonder with Longacre was, and this is what, who did we talk about this all the time? It wasn't Chris Long. It was just the idea that, you know, Longacre as a rotational guy is coming in fresh when some of the other guys are tired, right? And so he always right. had the benefit of coming in, uh, especially when you get into the second half and you're rotating in for Robert Quinn or Connor Barwin when they need, you know, to take a break on a long drive. And, and Longacre comes in fresh against some of the more tired offensive linemen. Well, as it looks right now, Longacre, you know, granted we got the rest of free agency in the draft. Longacre might be a starting outside linebacker right now. Going if, if training camp were starting tomorrow, you might see him as the starter uh, on the depth chart. And so I just worry that, you know, sometimes you got to let guys take that step up and you can't have a roster full of pro bowlers. Sometimes you're going to have to have guys in reserve roles step into a, a starting role full time. Maybe maybe that's the angle here, and obviously, you know, Longacre's played his way into that kind of a discussion, uh, potentially to earn that opportunity. But it's definitely one of those things where you, I'd feel more comfortable if he was in Hill's position, maybe as a backup to some starters rather than coming up. But overall, it's just what the CBA allows. When you got restricted free agents, if you want them, you get to keep them on the cheap. Absolutely, and you know, uh, one thing about Troy Hill, yes, he is buried on the depth chart. Uh, he's really not even the fourth because. They signed they signed Sam Shields and like you said when Kayvon Webster sir. comes back when Kayvon Webster comes back you know he's likely going to be ahead of him so that that right there is five guys ahead of him between Keith Lee Marcus Peters Nicole you know. Coben uh, Sam Shields Kayvon Webster and then you have Troy Hill so he he's right now looking at a six string spot he's so deep. I don't really have yeah, a problem I, I don't I want to clarify I don't have a problem with the tendering I just wasn't excited about it or anything it didn't get me excited like the Matt Longacres did. Um, Matt Longacres, I think it, I'd be excited because one, the Rams need uh, edge rushers, just just that stuff. I think he's a very good edge rusher, but not just that. He plays the run really, really well. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, think it's, I think it's a bit surprising for me because I'm actually very familiar with like, Matt Longacre from college, and I just didn't see that. This is something that I think uh, through coaching, through NFL coaching, um, that he developed. I didn't I didn't see that when he was in college where I see that now you know he's he's a very good uh he's a very good defender with the run and 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 when you have a guy that can do both it definitely makes your life easier when you you're comfortable knowing that he may not be an elite pass rusher or even above average you know he's just solid he's very solid you know so he's not this crazy good threat that's just going to constantly be a terror off the edge but he's he's a he's a spark guy, you know. When you just don't see it coming, he's in the backfield, hey, and that's that's the spark where you get that sack, where you get that tackle for loss. Those things help. Now, as you mentioned, as you're looking at it right now, there's a possibility that he could come back as a starter. I know that the the report came out the Rams are expecting uh, Simpson and Buckheim to make a huge uh, leap. Um, they still have Juan Price, um, but. They're also trying to bring back Tyler Barwin. They were able to re-sign uh, John Sullivan. That, that story came out that they were looking to do so about 24, 48 hours later. It happened, and now you're hearing that they're, they're interested in – they're in talks with uh, Tyler Barwin and getting him back. I'm not so crazy about bringing Tyler Barwin back. He really didn't look that great uh, this past season, and uh, with another year added on to the age, I think he's only going to decline even more. He looked very slow, very stiff, no explosiveness, didn't really come off the edge that great. So I- I'm questioning if it's uh, – he mostly had timing sacks where it was just the quarterback had the ball all day where his sacks took place. Um, that was it, where it was just coverage. <laughs> uh, so I'm not crazy about it. And he's, he's never been great against the run. So I think Matt Longacre is actually 
actually plays the run better than Connor Baldwin. Um, so I'm still I'm still hoping that you know the in the draft and with the way that the Rams are moving right now, I'm pretty convinced they're looking at pass rush with their first pick, whether they trade up, down, or stay in their spot. I'm so ridiculously convinced they are going after a pass rusher with their first pick. Uh, they're they're going to get somebody to come off the edge. Um, I'm going to have that in my mock draft that I'm going to be dropping here pretty soon. But I definitely I definitely think that that's where they're looking. Um, I'm okay with Matt Longacre, though, if that doesn't happen. I'm okay with him stepping in because, like I said, he's solid if un- if unsuccessful. It wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, the thing that would bother me is bringing Barwin back to do that job. Let the young guy step up. Let him do his thing. You know, if you, if you swing and you miss, next man up. Hell. But don't keep making it. Don't, don't keep counting on this thing. Got to do it over and over and over. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But who are some guys you're looking at in the, in the next wave as we're entering this? Uh, we're kind of already in the second phase of free agency. But sure. who are some uh, guys that you're kind of looking at right now? To, um, that possibly could help the Rams? Yeah, probably looking at the inside linebacker position first, like we talked about, because it is isn't expensive and you don't have to commit, you know, three years. You can get some of these John Sullivan-type de- deals two years, a little bit cheaper, uh, and deal with bringing in some draft talent over the next two years eventually to replace them, kind of what they did with Connor Barwin, and we'll have to see if they end up do taking somebody this year in the draft to start filling that role. Um in terms of names, let me see who's still out there because I've written a couple pieces and I haven't looked at who's still out there since we started getting ready in the middle. I guess now that Todd Davis is all, uh, gone because I thought he would have been an easy fit. Uh, I guess Navarro Bowman's still out there. He's somebody that would make sense. I've seen some people talk about Gerald Freeman, um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis out of Kansas City, Will Compton out of Washington, uh, who else? Lawrence Timmons from Miami. I think the problem is there's not a ton of young guys. At the position, the ones that were a little bit younger are already gone. Um, the Rams could always spend some of those mid-round picks on a guy. The other position that you probably start looking at is on the offensive line, and you could go pretty much any of the five positions there. Would all make sense for some uh, cheaper buys and free agency going into the draft. Overall, though, the roster's in great shape. I mean, it was in great shape. The, the roster's been in pretty good shape pretty much since 2014, right? That was the first – got to remember 2007 to 2011, that roster was horrible. But then we hit the oh, RG3 yeah. trade, and we had the Morris-Claiborne trade, and you had a couple years to build that up. So by 2014, the third year of the Jeff Fisher era, the roster was looking pretty good. Remember, Teron Matthews said, you look at this roster and you can't understand why they're not competing for Super Bowls. And it was kind of true. There's, I mean, at, at the time, we were just saying, well, shit, just give us a winning season first. And we, we never got it under Fisher. But it was one of those things where you looked at the roster and you're like, yeah, this isn't the problem. The roster is fine. The issue is something else, whether it was coaching or culture or whatever. So when I'm looking at it right now, like in terms of free agency, they don't really need to do anything. Like if they get an inside linebacker, I'm fine with that. They get some offensive line help. But if they want to stand pat and maybe bring back – Barwin, I get it. He's not perfect, but if you're Wade Phillips and you're saying, I don't really need great talent at linebacker because I got an awesome secondary and a phenomenal defensive line, whether or not we bring in somebody like Ndamukong Sue, you may say what I need is leaders, somebody like Connor Barwin who knows my system, who can command a locker room, is the right kind of guy, you know, one of those you know, James Laurinaitis type coach on the field. He may have deficiencies in performance, but I can mask over that with the other parts of the defense. If you bring a couple of those guys back and maybe one, you know, shore up the depth chart type signing, I'm good with that, man. So I have a name here, and I've been I've been watching this one since his uh, since they moved on from him. But former Colts tackle, no tackle, Jonathan Hankins. Sure. I think that he would be yeah. a great Hankins fit fine. for the Rams, and he feels yeah. need. On top of that. And he he's 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 a really good player, solid player. He he graded out in the top twenty of defensive linemen uh, by PFF this past year. I think that the the only reason he was released is because um, the only re- reason he was released per uh, Jim Irsay is the scheme change. It wasn't the player, <laughs> you know. That's yeah. the thing. He just wasn't a good fit for the scheme. They just signed him last year, you know. So then we played one year with the team, but. He was just it was to change the scheme with the new coaching staff. That's it. He just didn't fit their scheme. He just didn't fit their scheme. So he's a good player, and his his performance has proved it over the last couple of years. You know, he came in with the Giants. He played really well with the Giants. Um, they they couldn't afford to resign him, and he cashed in with a huge payday. You don't get huge paydays if you're a bum, <laughs> you know. So 
he, he cashed in with the coach, and then they had a new coaching staff. They just didn't have a need for him with their, with their style, so they released him. And now you have a really good player just floating around out here that feels a need for the Rams. The Rams are meeting with the Dominican Sioux, but the Dominican Sioux, like we said, is so pricey. Unless you can, unless it's a foregone conclusion that you can get that lower, that, that tag, that, that amount yeah. lowered for what it would cost you to sign him, I would definitely turn my attention towards a Jonathan Hankins, who I think sure. is going to make the Rams a very good, if, anything, if nothing else, he's going to absolutely come in and from day one, take the Rams' run defense to another level, which is their weakest point right now. Um, so I look at Jonathan Hankins, and I say that would be that's a name out, sitting out there in free agency that I would love to see. And do you know the sneaky part about it? Much like the Zombican Sioux, it will not affect your um, uh, 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 compository picks. It doesn't. Right. <laughs> because, because they weren't free agents by contract uh, expiring. They were free agents by being released. So it, it helps you in a lot of ways, and it, it also doesn't affect your future. I am a fan of bringing in Jonathan Hankins 100%. But we'll see how things go with the, with the Dominican Sioux. Still very early. He hasn't even had his meeting with the Rams yet. So don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll see how it goes. It is possible that it could happen. I'm just scary. I'm just scared about what it could mean if it did happen. Yep. But like like we said, well, let's just let's just take our time to see. So the Rams have another – it seems like the Rams are always on TV now. <laughs> you know, they move to Los Angeles. They get hard knocks. They get um, – what's the Amazon one? Um, Which are all or nothing? Yeah. All or nothing. All nothing. There you go. I'm getting old, you know. Don't forget Hollywood and football, man. Did you did you watch Hollywood and football? Did you watch a second of that show? I did, dude. First of all, I watched I every episode. Say, I wish the show would have got canceled because it was hilarious to me. <laughs> it was like you look at bricks and stuff. Like they were just funny to me, like watching them. But uh, yeah, you know, so they they've had a lot of camera time, and now they have the behind the grind series, uh, kind of diving into pretty much everything behind the scenes for building this team. Uh, so it's a little different because like all shows and they're all behind the scenes, but this one is more so focused on what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, uh, by building this team, by putting it together. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how this goes. I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten word on how many episodes it is yet. Have you, what the yeah. amount of episodes they're going to be? So yeah, no yeah, word on what the amount of episodes there will be, but I am definitely interested in seeing it. Uh, I've already watched the first episode, uh, what did you think of it? I know you did the recap on it. What was you, what did you think on it? I'm not going to watch it. I refuse to touch Facebook, man. Facebook, I, I, everybody who's logged on to Facebook in the last year is going to jail. I'm convinced, so I'm staying off. <laughs> no, I watch it. It was it was really good, man. It was a it was really impressive. The 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 thing that continues to amaze me is when we were kids, and I'm not throwing a year out there, but when we were kids. The only premium visual content you had had to come from NFL films. They were the only ones who had it. They did great stuff. And if you're our age, you remember the soundtrack to all those movies. You remember the slow motion tracking shots. It was awesome. Now you can do Amazon for all or nothing with the NFL films crew. You can do Hard Knocks, which uses some NFL films crews along with HBO. But this is just Rams employees. This isn't an NFL films crew. This is the yep. Rams themselves are producing this. And this is something I've said a long time. Eventually, we're going to have to do an episode that's going to get a little meta to talk about the nature of modern NFL media. But we're, we're increasingly advancing towards a point where all you're going to have is fan – and this is just my opinion – where all you're going to have is fan content and team-produced content because at some point – fans are going to start cutting out the need for beat writers, right? We've yeah. already seen the numbers of the newspaper industry is hitting and it's not good for anybody involved. And as much as I cherish journalism, the truth is you and I, we know this, we don't need to follow Gary Klein for anything, right? The Los Angeles times main beat reporter for the Rams. We don't need to get anything from him. We can get all of our specific news from the Rams, and we can get all everything else is coming from us. You know what I'm saying? So it, yeah, it's one ben, of those things ben that Albright just reinforces touched, it. Yeah. Ben Albright touched on this, and you know he he said it himself. Uh, the the future of just sports in general is in podcasts. Is what his exact yeah. words was. It's in podcasts and these these sites. You know, so no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, that was my biggest takeaway was just how good it was and the fact that the Rams produced it in-house. 
that when you when you can do visual in house, it just cuts out the need the reliance on other people to do it for you. And you know, this is the first time they've done it. And when you're doing it this well, it's one of those. It, it was one of those kind of not jaw dropping, but I definitely was you know in my head saying, "Wow, this is really 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 good." You know, for me, the the thing that I like the most is the uh, the attack. And what I mean by that is that the Rams are refusing to lose relevancy. Um, it's like, sure. like you, like I said, they, they came in and they did uh, hard knocks, or not hard knocks, but they did all of that, and they did hard knocks. And then that, now you're looking at them doing, the, I mean, not to mention the, the Hollywood, football in Hollywood, but then now they're doing this. It's like, okay, we don't have this show anymore. We don't have, what can we do to stay relevant? How can we stay in the people's eye? How can we stay in their mind? Yeah. Um, with that relevancy, and this, this, I've talked about this a lot during the season, you know, the, the ticket sales, it just wasn't there. So, you know, you have a team that goes to the playoffs. How can we stay relevant this offseason? Yeah, we're making big moves and everything, but how can we stay on these people's minds? Because we're in L.A. You know, you're, you're, you're in L.A. You, you have to keep them – you have to keep the people intrigued. And the difference between football and every other sport, every other sport, is the length. There's only 16 games. You know, the NBA has so many games, you know, so yep. even if even if they're not interested early on and they become interested later, let's say they're not interested in the early part of the NBA season, but then they're interested in the latter parts. You're talking about being interested in 40 games, 50 games. With the Rams, if you're interested in the latter part, you're talking about being interested in two games, maybe three. You, right. you know, so... When you're when you're staying relevant and staying in the people's minds, you're constantly pushing yourself, publicizing yourself. Because I don't think this happens if they're not in LA. I don't think they do these shows and are constantly trying. I believe this is all to keep the attention on them in LA, which I think is a good thing because ticket sales. If you can keep that stadium packed, that works in your favor. Uh, like I cannot stress that enough. Like it works in your favor so much. There is the home field advantage. There's always this discussion of. Is home field advantage a real thing? You know, I, I hear people talk about it all the time. Is it a real thing? Does it really impact the game? Does it really affect wins and losses? And it does. You know, if you look at those, you look at the history of wins and losses. If you look at the, the games won at home and the games uh, won away and the games lost at home and games lost away, there's, it's always working in favor of the uh, of the home wins unless your team is just absolutely trash where you go 0-16 or whatever it may be. If your team isn't good, but if your team is halfway decent, if you have a 500 team, more times than not, you've won more games at home than you have on the road. Uh, winning on the road is hard. You know, so if they can stay relevant and they can keep the excitement going that they built going to the playoffs, they can keep that going into next season by, by staying on the people's TV all the time, staying on their Facebook. Everywhere you turn, you're seeing Rams, Rams, Rams. And now you're seeing the Rams all over national TV because – they're constantly talking about the Rams. Oh, the Rams just made another trade. Oh, the Rams did this. The Rams did that. They're building up that fan base. So to me, I love the attack to do that. Just, if nothing else, just the attack to build the fan base to make sure that when the, when week one rolls around, you got a sold out crowd rocking and you're ready to roll. And if you and at that point, the ball's in your court because if you start with you're winning and you keep winning, they're going to keep coming. But first, you have to build that up and get them there. So. I like it. I, I definitely love the idea of doing the show. I thought it was very well produced. I thought they did a great job. And like you said, especially when you take it to the account that it was all in-house. They did, I, thought, I thought they did a really, really good job. So I liked it. I'm yeah. looking forward to the next episode. Um, I'm very tuned in right now. So I never knew I'd spend so much time on Facebook watching TV between Rams football Don't and lie. the ball show. I'm Don't <laughs> lie. You're on Facebook. You're, you're in the analytics. You're hacking into you know every single listener of Tershaw Radio's Facebook account. You've got them up right now, don't you? Don't you lie to me, Cambridge <laughs> Yo, Analytica, my I've son. I've told you this a million times. If you keep putting my business out there, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Cambridge don't put Analytica, my out there. <laughs> but, uh, who, who knew five years ago that we'd be watching TV on Facebook with, with all the right. screaming right. and everything? The, the other thing I'll say is, th- think about it like this. We're, when people are opening up Twitter and Instagram, they don't know – what content they're about to get. Kevin Demoff said it himself. He doesn't see the Rams as a, as a football franchise. He sees them as a content production company. If you're not making the content, then you're not giving your product a chance to even be seen. You've got to have 
video. You got to have podcasts. You got to have tweets. You got to have Snapchat. You got to have Instagram. You got to be able to do all of it. And if you're not, you're just falling behind all the other people who are. That was the biggest problem that the NFL had about two years ago, and they still haven't done all of it, is that they were trying to force everybody to go to NFL.com. Well, guess what? That means not everybody can go to NFL.com to get all their information, right? You st- we still can't embed NFL videos on the site. Even NFL YouTube videos, you can't embed on external websites. Why? Because the NFL is stuck in this idea that because they're the most popular, that content publishers are going to hew to their needs. That's not what happens. You know what ends up happening? Sites that decide they want to do sports tend to open up to other things, things that they can post. Oh, I can post this video of Drake playing Fortnite with some video game guy that 600,000 people watch live. And what ends up happening? All of a sudden, you start seeing ratings for the NFL drop, and people under 25 and people under 30 are less attracted to the NFL than people under 25 and 30 were a decade ago. And you start saying, hmm, maybe we weren't, aren't as popular. I wonder why. Maybe it's because you're not making your content relevant for everybody. And this is just another example of a way that they can make content relevant. Now, this just happens to be from the Rams, specifically from the Rams. The more teams that do this, the more it's going to become required because we're going to expect to be able to see our team through the all season, and we should. We're the fans. We're the ones interested in it, right? The whole reason people listen to this podcast is because they want to know shit about the Rams. The reason that we, you know, follow the Rams on Twitter, we want to know stuff about the Rams. So, well, that's okay, that's they, not in touch. They, love, that's they love the sound of my voice. Love your no, voice. You're so foolish. So here's what the truth is. It's a combination of wanting to know about the Rams, but knowing something about tertial radio that keeps them coming back. Because obviously they could listen to any other podcast. That's why we love y'all for listening, that y'all happen to tune into this one specifically. But the first reason y'all came here in the very, very, very first place was to learn about the Rams. So as Rams fans, we all want content that's going to educate us, inform us, entertain us, whatever. Give us return on investment for our time that has to do with the Rams. And when the Rams can do it themselves, obviously they win. And it's just a cost-benefit analysis of – how much does it cost to pay, you know, three, four video production assistants to be able to put this together versus what do we lose by not doing this? And I think what you're going to see more and more is the teams that don't do this are going to get punished by a lack of attention from their fan base, and that's going to end up being converted into a lack of dollars. Absolutely. You know, as you said, it's a great way to keep the fans in touch throughout the offseason. You got a little bit of insight of of what – going on behind the scenes with less need at the combine. That's another reason why I like what they're doing here. Yeah. Is because you're, you're going to see parts of less need you never got to see before. And yeah. I think that's amazing. Because like, you don't get, of all these shows and behind the scenes and stuff like that that, you, that they have now, you very rarely get a good deep interaction with the GM and see the front office side of it. And I think that's what you're going to see a lot of with this show as well as the coaching staff and the players and stuff. So I, I love the idea. It's definitely going to keep fans engaged throughout the off season, and you know, with the off season, uh, we with the off season being here, we are now officially underway of all the the things that you look forward to on that timeline. From from we've already had the combine, but then you have the draft and free agency, which we're in the middle of right now, and you have your mini camps getting the rookie signed, and it, 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 this is the the time where it all goes really fast before we hit that screeching halt where they get those six, seven weeks off. So we're kind of we're, we're, we're going to see the next two or three months just fly by. And then you have those, you know, you have OTA. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting next couple of months, seeing how they go, seeing how they go about business, seeing how they get a 50 uh, holes with the edge rushers and, and then building that depth. Uh, I'm really, really interested to see if they're going to get themselves a, uh, a tackle with uh, or a center with Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan being older um, those are the positions that, that you might want to look at. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely see. We'll see how things go. The off season is well underway, so you got to be excited about that. I know I'm excited. I know Joe is excited because it means football is a step closer. So make sure you're staying tuned and following everything. Um, follow myself at Mighty or Mysen. Follow the show at Turf Show Times. I guess if you really want to be insulted in life, you can follow yeah. Joe at 3K underscore. But yeah. that's all we got for you this week. Make sure you check us out next week. Go Rain.
This is Big Bad Jackie and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scoff. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Zeta. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Style and class, if you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. Such a name's intimidated. I pass them my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my teeth, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The Iceman cometh, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat, as you will see. The guys call me tickets that are dick son. I lead the range, I'm the ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies, what a brainy one. But enough about me, we'll hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. 
Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.